you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. Uh, So for everyone listening by podcast, we're glad to have you here with us. Um, And it's amazing, like since we've launched our our Sunday night service, we have a lot of people who are joining us through podcasts who have not joined us hitherto now. Uh, And so it's fun uh, for people to tune in. I see John, our online pastor back there, cheering that on. Uh, That's his area. Uh, So our online campus really is our biggest campus. Uh, And it's amazing, all the people that that listen and and it has a reach towards. And if you're listening to this, we'd love to have you, right? Wouldn't we love to have them anytime they could come in person? We would love to have you here at Doodling Hall, 6 p.m., uh, I have some things on my heart. They're really simple. You know, this service is always a little bit more flowy and um, just really just kind of lean on the Lord um, for what he may have for it and, you know, throw out all the rules and all those other types of things. But I, I have something that keeps coming up in my heart. We've been talking about Moses, and I most definitely, the next lesson I want to teach, and notice I said I want to teach, and now what the Lord may have me teach may be different. Uh, but one of the lessons that I'm getting geared for to teach is the judgment of God and uh, the plagues that were issued in Israel. Why did that happen? How does God allow something like that to happen? All of those things. I can't wait to get over into that because it's a subject that we don't hear a lot about in modern day church. Uh, but I still had some things on my heart that I feel like I have left unfinished. And uh, by the, the power and the person of the Holy Spirit tonight, hopefully we have boldness and utterance to say what needs to be said uh, so that we can wrap this up. And so let's just take a moment and pray together. I'm going to ask the Lord to help me. Uh, and you ask the Lord to help you. I'm going to ask him to help me speak and listen. And why don't you just make a decision to yield tonight, uh, even if you are listening to this and not here in person, to just yield right now and to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So, Father, we come before you. We thank you uh, that you and you alone are worthy of praise. And, Father, you know that our services uh, are just simply designed to build a little space for you to fill. And so, Father, I thank you that you fill my words, that you fill our hearts, that you make your word a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We love you, Lord, and we will be careful and we will be quick to give you all the praise and all the glory because you know, Father, you are the only one who is worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you're taking notes, I would like you to write something down or or type it in your phone. Uh, Typically for me now, a lot of my notes are going in my notes app uh, and Evernote and all of those kinds of things. Uh, But to, to kind of like finish these thoughts that we've been sharing on the last couple of Sunday nights, I have been ministering. Um, I, I would like to ask you these questions. Who would you be if you were everything you could conceivably be? Who would you be if you were everything you could conceivably be? Um, Are you leaving something on the table? Is there a part of you that has been so unrefined 
that if you were to refine it, would help all of us? Um, who would you be if you were everything you could conceivably be? I want to lead with that question. Next up, if you can write this down, I don't expect you to have the answers to these questions right now. These are like Salah or Selah, how do you say it? Whatever, you understand what I'm saying. Paul's going to reflect on this for a minute. A little bit of the psalmist. But what I would love for you to do uh, at some point this week is to pull out these questions, pause and ask the Holy Spirit, help me answer this. Who would I be if I was everything I could conceivably be? Second question is this. Everyone has a sense that there is more to them than they have allowed, and I use that word on purpose, that they have allowed to be realized. Who is that for you? Everyone has the sense that there is more to them than they have allowed to be realized. Who is that? Uh, for you. I, I've, I've come across this, and I know this personally, in and of myself. I'll share a personal story kind of at the, the back end of this um, talk. Um, but every person I met, including myself, knows intrinsically that there is more in them than they have allowed to be seen. And the big thing that I had on my heart for tonight is for you to stop running from that and to look at it. Um, that there is a part of you, and, and I don't want to shame anyone, especially myself, um, that we know, like, if we could focus and be more disciplined and more refined in these areas, uh, that our profiting would appear unto all. That if we would allow that area of our life to be refined, touched by God, uh, surrendered over to him, helped with, like we were talking about this morning, the power of the Holy Spirit, that arena of my life to be refined, uh, that would bring my life over into a place uh, of power that hitherto now no one has seen, but you know is in there. Um, and I know is in here, like there is a me in me that you have never seen. But I know he's in there. And I, I know the reason why you have not seen him is that there are areas of my life that I have not allowed myself to fully confront, refine, and discipline. That if I would confront um, and, and look at it and stop running from it, but look at it. Uh, that if I was able to do that, it would serve you better, it would serve my wife better, it would serve my children better, it would serve my, my mother better, um, if I would allow myself to confront it. And what I have found is, is I am not alone in this. And when I study scripture, we're in the life of Moses, that's what this teaching is on, and I can't get away from this moment of Moses being a young man and seeing who he could be. He has a moment. The, the book of Acts tells us he has a moment where it dawns on him, I see why God has done all of this in my past. 
Like, it's not by accident. I was, you know, put in a river and rescued by Pharaoh's house. And I know the language of the Pharaohs, but I'm also a Hebrew. Like, I can see the bondage of the Hebrews and be touched by it, but I can see the wisdom of the Pharaohs and speak their language. And who is better than me than to be a go-between, to tell Pharaoh to let these people go? And so he tries to do it, but he fails. And for literally 40 years of his life, he knows that there's a hymn inside of him that no one is seeing in Midian. No one has any idea who he really is. And they see him and they would think he's a good guy. They would see him and they'd think, oh, he's nice, he's kind, he's got this cute little family, look at him with his sheep. They they would think he'd be fine and and he would go down in the record of being like fine and it would be okay. But Moses would die knowing that there was an area of his life that if he would confront it and stop running from it and to look at who he could be in God and look at who he could be in Jesus would not just be something that would raise his quality of life because that is not what Christianity is about. I know Western Christianity has come in and made everything, literally every message about raising your quality of life and upward mobility, but it's not about that. It's about Moses, if you don't become who God has called you to become, and if you do not confront the you in you that is greater than all the people in Midian are seeing, there's a whole nation of people who will stay in bondage that could have been let go a lot sooner if you would have just simply been the version of you God sent you here to be. And he is so hiding in the shadows from that person that is in him. Every time he would look at a reflection, they didn't, probably didn't have mirrors back then, but every time he'd look in a lake or a stream, he would see him. And every time he would see him, he would be running from the him that was in him. And so God had to give him another reflection in the form of a burning bush and basically come to him and like, what in the world are you doing? Acting like that this is all there is that I have for you, Moses. (laughs) Like there is so much more that if you will confront this, Um, it it will lead to a breakthrough and he comes back with like all these insecurities of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, I've made mistakes, I can't speak. And he is so much more mindful of who he is not that he has forgotten who he is. He sees everybody else's strengths, but he only sees his weakness. And I, I know that these stories are in Scripture. Not for our entertainment, but they are in scripture for you to see yourself in them. That you will look at everybody else in this room and see who they are. But what you don't realize is they're looking at you and seeing the same thing. And you'll look at you and see who you're not. And look at your limitations and all those things. And God is like, but underneath all of that... It is something that is called by the Father to be significant, uh, to make a difference in the lives of other people. So I will ask you, if you were all that you could conceivably be Moses, who is that man? And I dare you to confront it. I dare you to look at it. I dare you to keep it in front of you. Uh, In the book of Mark, let's let's go over there and look at it tonight. In Mark chapter 6, I want to show you something. 
uh, that I think is, is quite profound in the life of our master and in the life of our Savior Jesus. This is what Christianity is built off of. Mark chapter 6, verse number 1. Jesus went out from there and came into his own hometown. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many of his listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom that is given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, and among his own relatives, and among his own household. And he could there do no miracle, except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them and he wondered at their own unbelief. They had gotten so familiar with him that they began to lightly esteem what could come out of him. And here's my concern for you, is no one knows you better than you. And I wonder if you've gotten so familiar with you that you have lightly esteemed what could come out of you. That you were so mindful, Moses, of your mouth that you couldn't conceive standing in front of Pharaoh and telling him, let God's people go. That you were so familiar with who you're not and what your weaknesses are that you have lightly esteemed yourself so much that you have looked at everyone else and thought what they could do for God that you have not seen what God sent you here to do for him. The foundation of our faith was a baby sent in a manger, not in a palace, not with all the bells and whistles, not with like grand trumpets and people wrapped in purple coming and parading him down the streets. Uh, there was a teenage girl by the name of Mary. People forget she's a teenager in the story, a teenage girl who is pregnant. A man who thinks he is hiding her from shame, who is probably also a teenager himself, knowing that she is pregnant outside of wedlock, going into their own hometown uh, to, you know, have a count so that they can do taxes properly. And there's no room for them in the inn. There's no advantage. And he grows up in this environment where everyone sees him as common and normal. And then he steps out and he reveals the fullness of who he was. And when he did, they couldn't believe it. They're like, oh, we have seen you at like our kids' parties. And we know your sisters and we know your brothers. And like you're saying that these things can come out of you? And this is the foundation, literally, of our faith, that Jesus would walk into an arena and they're like, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And they're looking at his background and they're looking at what he, he does not have and they're looking at who he's not and they're looking at who his parents were and they're looking at, you know, there's a little dysfunction. A lot of people think that, that Joseph, his father, died. Like even at this moment before Jesus begins his ministry that Joseph has died. And they're looking at his home and they're looking at Mary and they're looking at like him without a father and they're looking at like at all these things and they're seeing all of the disadvantages in his life and they're wondering, his own hometown is wondering, how can this come out of him? 
And the reason why I say this is we have constructed this idea that if I don't have this, and if this doesn't happen, and if that doesn't fall into place, and if this is not right, and if that is not there, then I am not qualified. And the foundation of our faith is like, we have a savior sent like that. God could have sent him to anybody. God could have had him be born by a king. God could have sent him literally to anybody, but he sent him like that. Why? Because he knew that so many of you would be wondering what in the world could come out of me. And he wanted you every time you read the story of Jesus for you to see that the same spirit that was in Christ is the same spirit that is on you. And if Jesus rose above every single one of those disadvantages, you can rise above your disadvantages too. That there is nothing our great God cannot manifest from you. But if you are not having a belief in Jesus and a belief in Moses didn't doubt God. He doubted himself. He didn't doubt God could do it. He doubted if he could. He doubted if God could bring it through him. And God is trying to confront his insecurities because he knows on the other end of that insecurity is not just the greatest version of Moses where Moses can see it, but also hangs in the balance um, the lives of all of these other people who are waiting on Moses. They're not just waiting on Moses' obedience. Like we always say that, like what would happen if like everyone was obedient? You'll never know what's on the other side of your obedience. They're not just waiting on his obedience. They're waiting on him to get over his insecurity. That the thing that was holding him back all of these years was not him purposely trying to be disobedient to God. The thing that was holding him back all of these years was he didn't think he could be. He didn't think he was good enough, talented enough, able enough to be worthy of the call. And so he just figured somebody else will do it. And 40 years go by, and guess what happens? No one else is doing it. And there are some things in your kids, God needs you to be the highest version of you you can be to unlock that in them. And there are some things that are in your husbands, God needs you to be the highest person you can be to unlock that in them. And there are things that God wants to do in you that God needs me to be the highest and the best version of me to unlock that in you. And that we are all in this together and we need each other to overcome these insecurities. Think about all the scriptures in, by, in, 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 in the scripture uh, and these characters that we read. I, I, this whole week, I've been so mindful of Gideon. Of You have this, this guy in Gideon who is literally hiding out of fear. And God is like trying to get him to come out of the shadows just like Moses, to be the version of him that he could conceivably be, to step out and and be a man uh, that could lead 300, like a small group, and win a whole nation back, freedom that God wanted to give him. But when God finds him, he is literally hiding in a wine press, trying to thresh wheat so that his family does not starve. And an angel appears to him and tells him, Gideon, You are a mighty man of valor. Aren't you glad God sees who you can be, even if you don't see it yourself? And what does he do? He calls those things that be not as though they are. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. 
And he begins to tell him, I'm going to use you to change the lives of people. And destiny begins to be revealed to him. And you know what Gideon does? The same thing Moses did. He begins to make excuses as to why it's not him. And he tells the Lord, he's like, hey, you need to know something. This is not for me. Like, my family is the least family in Israel. And not only are we the least family in Israel, we're the least family in our tribe. And I am the least member of my family. So in case you didn't see, like, the totem pole of things, God, I am here and everyone else is on these pedestals. I can't get over how we do this in our society. Of we, we have these people that we set up on pedestals and we see all of their strengths and none of their weaknesses. And, and we see all of our weaknesses and none of our strengths. Uh, and, and out of this, we have this sense of insecurity that plagues us. And I'll tell you, insecurity is just as bad as pride. Pride will look at everybody down here, but insecurity will look at everybody up there. And both will destroy you. Uh, We have to have this capacity to honor each other, but I can't honor you any more than I honor me. Uh, And out of this, we cannot lightly esteem each other, but we can't lightly esteem ourselves. And so God has to work with Gideon to pull him out of the shadows, to get him to be the man he could conceivably be. Uh, This is the same thing that happens with Saul, first king of Israel. Uh, This is the same thing when David steps on the field. David was always pretty confident, but everyone around David was like, him? Really? Him? Him? This guy? Him? Why does God pick all of these people? Not just so you have a good story to tell your kids before you tuck them in. Our cute little messages for for us to preach on a Sunday night. Why Why does the Bible keep using these people? Why with the disciples, literally in the book of Acts, they stand up to preach. And you know what they say about the disciples? These people are unlearned and ignorant men. That's literally what they say about them. Read your Bible, Acts 4. These people are unlearned and ignorant people. Everybody's looking at the disciples and they're seeing who they're not. But they had to follow with this. But we can tell they have been with Jesus. And when Jesus is picking his disciples, he picked people that people thought were the lowest on the totem pole. Why? Why why are all these things in scripture written that way? They didn't go to the the Pharisees and the doctors of the law and pick from the best and brightest with the highest GPAs and the greatest ACT scores. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Uh, But he didn't go to that to select that. Uh, He went to the fishermen. The the guy who, like, when Jesus works the miracle is on his knees and being like, get away from me. I am a sinful man. And he's like, yep, and you're exactly who I want. Come and follow me. Why does he do all these things? Why are all these things in Scripture? To eliminate your excuse. Who could you conceivably be if you allowed yourself to be that person? A number of years ago, I was um, praying in the spirit. I went through a season where it was just a lot. And I've had seasons like that, and I sense as if I'm headed towards another one. 
Um, and one of the things that praying in the spirit does is it unlocks the, the spiritual world. If you sow to the spirit, you reap to the spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you reap of the flesh. The more fleshly you are, the more carnal you'll be. The more spiritual, spiritual you are, the more you see God. The more you see God in people, the more you see God in situations. You just see God everywhere. Uh, but it takes sowing to the spirit. And so I've gone through seasons of life. Uh, where I've just been more prayerful than other times. And in this particular season, we had just moved into our, our house that we were in for 14 years. And the room that later became our daughter's room and then my niece's room and then other people's room when they came and lived with us with this house that we lived in. It was like a, a hospital uh, and a home for everyone uh, besides the Sims. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but we had a lot of people live with us. But at this time, it was my office. Uh, and that was the last time I've ever had an office at home. Um, but one night I went to sleep and I went to, to bed actually praying in the spirit. And I had a dream. And it was one of the greatest gifts God has ever given me. In the dream, I saw me. But it wasn't me. It was a better version of me. It was me. We, we throw, away, uh, throw around these terms, but we don't let, allow them to resonate. Let it resonate. It was me in my high calling. Paul said, I press for that. And I just, when I was writing this message, I sent so many of you, instead of pressing for it, you're doing your best not even to look at it. And he showed me, me, in my high calling. And everything about me was different. Um, physically, I was different. I was more refined. Physically, I was more refined. I was on an airplane. And I was flying. I got out of my seat. And two rows up from me uh, was Robert Berry Jr., uh, who wasn't on staff at the time, uh, but now he is. And I saw him and I tapped him on the shoulder and he looked up at me and I looked at him and I started talking. And when I started talking, my words were weighty. Uh, when something's anointed, it's heavy. It's not entertaining. It's heavy. Um, and you, there was a weightiness to my words. And with everything I was saying, it was being deposited in the heart of, of Robert. And I could tell the weightiness of it. My eyes were different. Um, there was a, a, a fire and a life. And the, the word that I think describes it best was purpose. Um, and I, I'm seeing this. And I wake up. And then when I wake up, I started bawling uncontrollably because I realized how far I was from being that man, but I knew that man was in here. I literally got out of bed and I ran up to my office. It was upstairs. I ran up to my office. I hit my knees just weeping and I asked the Lord, what will it take for me to be that man? 
Um, it's a gift and a burden all at the same time. Because I know who I can be. And I'm not him. And I got to wonder. I'm working on it though. But I got to wonder. If you could see that in you. The high calling you. The version of you that if you were everything you could conceivably be. The difference maker that would be not for your income, but for the generation that you have been called by God to serve. I, 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 I've been thinking about this a, a good bit, but we know Jeremiah said, I'll close with this. Jeremiah said, uh, well, God told Jeremiah. And he wrote it down that before you were in your mother's belly, I formed you, I made you, gave you a calling and a gift and a purpose, and then sent you to the earth. I was meditating on that and the story of John and Jesus in their mother's wombs came up in my heart. And Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, went to go visit uh, Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John. And when Elizabeth heard Mary walk in the room, she didn't see it. She just heard it. John, in his mother's womb, lit up and began to kick and move. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit moved on Elizabeth. And when Mary crossed through the door, she began to prophesy to her about the baby that was in her. But here's what struck me. In the womb, these babies could understand calling. That in the womb, before it was fleshed out, they could see purpose, see what was in there. Uh, I used to, when my wife was pregnant, I, I just often would just put my head on her belly and just wonder, you know, my ear to it, just wonder who's in there. <laughs> what gifts, talents, abilities, anointings, purpose. Well, it seems to me that as soon as you break through uh, into this earth, it's almost like people forget that. And one of the things that the curse of the world does is it strips it from you. And it makes more life about survival and success than significance. And so we, we take jobs we're not called for and don't enjoy. We do things just to pay bills. We, we take job as, as shepherds in Midian and we just strive for a good life instead of chasing purpose. Uh, and, and out of this, um, I, 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 I read reporting and like psychology of children, and I've seen this with each one of my children. When children are playing with older children, uh, they'll often try to stick right by them. And the reason why they try to stick right by them is not for acceptance. I used to think it was acceptance, but psychology says something different. It's not for acceptance. You know what it's for? They see something in them that they're reaching to be themselves. And this is part of how we progress in society is we see somebody and when we see somebody, we reach for that too. And that reach is a healthy thing. 
uh, my, my nine-year-old, Ben, I'm like, you want to come to church tonight? And he said, is Mr. John going to be there? I said, yes, he told me he would be. He's like, then I'm coming. He didn't make it, but he said he would. <laughs> um, but why does he have a connection with John? It's not just because. He's trying to be accepted by John. There's something that his spirit sees in John's spirit, and he's reaching for it. And throughout time, you'll see glimpses. Glimpses of what you could be even in others. And it's the Heavenly Father who is trying to show you if you would allow yourself, if you would allow it, you could be that. If you'd allow it, you could do it. If you would allow it, you could achieve it. I've got ministers um, that I've seen in my life. They're not the most famous, but they're, they have the most depth. There aren't too many ministers. Well, I shouldn't say that. Forgive me, Lord. I don't want to judge anybody. But there are some ministers that when I'm around them, deep calls unto deep. And I see who I could be in them too. When you find that, it's not just because you're trying to be accepted by people. It's because something in your spirit sees a measure of who you are in them. And it's reaching for it. Paul came to Timothy and he said, let no one despise your youth. But he said, there was something that when hands were laid on you, it, it gave you something. And he said, I want you to give yourself to that. Don't hide from it. Don't not pay attention to it. Give yourself to it. Look at it. Stop running from it and look at it. And he says, if you do this, you give yourself to it, your profiting will begin to appear before all. And you know why that mattered? Not just so Timothy could have his name in Scripture. But there's some people Timothy is called to help. You'll never be happy without your high calling. I don't care what you do. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many people know your name or know your face. Outside of your high calling, there will always be a discontent. Who could you be if you were everything you could conceivably be? If you were to take your hero, whoever that may be, and ask yourself, what habits do they have to be who they are? This is a good exercise. What habits do they have? to be where they are and write those things down and ask, do I have those habits? I remember with my, my father, his best friend was a man by the name of Dean Miller. And they, they got to know each other at the Bible school they went to. And Dean would always tell me, he said, long before your father ever became a pastor, he hand wrote a message every day of his life. And I've got, you can ask my wife, she's seen them. I've got shoe boxes shoe boxes of nothing but my father's messages, every one of them handwritten. I saw that habit, so I began to handwrite every one of my messages. 
I have another minister of mine. He's just, uh, he's passed away now. But I, I was talking to his son, and I'm like, behind the scenes, who was the man? And he said, Joel, I tell you, I'd go to bed, and I'd see him in the same seat, praying in the spirit. I'd wake up and see him there doing the same. And I made a decision to do that more. Do you know what? You know why part of me has not released the high calling version of me? I know the price. No man sits down to build a building without counting the cost. And I'm working up the courage to pay it. And here's what I want for you. I want you to do the same. I want you to work up the courage to be everything God has called you to be. I want you to stop running from the you in you that we know and you know is there. And I want you to look at him. I want you to look at her. And I want you to fight to release that. Enter into your wilderness and step out in the power of the spirit just as Jesus did. Enter into a season of self-control, yielding more toward, towards the spirit. And give the world that business, that book, that child, uh, that marriage. I had lunch with a pastor this week, and he said, "What if what God has not called us, to, or what God has called us to do, is actually smaller than what we want to do?" <laughs> I said, "That's probably true for a lot of people." But you know what I've always found? It's always more significant than anything you could ever imagine. I think about the discipline it took for my grandmother to put a Bible on my father's car at every party he went to. He'd come out of the party, there's a Bible, my mom's been here. That's discipline. She was born to give birth to two preachers, a grandson who's a preacher, and maybe some great-grandsons and great-granddaughters. And all the world does not compare to holding in your hand what you know was called by God for you to give birth to. I sat down there. I got a little entryway. I'll come up in. I like to just take a moment to pause and deep breathe before I come and do this. I'm an introvert by nature. And so I need to connect with God to do this because my natural personality can't. It's a minor miracle every time I step on stage. That's the truth. And so people wonder, why does he come out late? It's not because I don't want to see anybody. It's because I'm telling the Lord like Moses did, unless you go with me. <laughs> but I sat down there tonight and I just started laughing of all that the Lord has done. I'm not the man I know I can be, but one thing's for sure. 
I'm not the man I was when I first had that dream. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we honor you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just hear this in my heart. Who are you that I am mindful of you? I'll tell you who you are. You are my son and you are my daughter. You were created by my hand and seen by my eye. You were crafted by my artistry and created for my good use. Commit yourself to being the person I created you to be. Release your gifts. Refine them. Discipline your focus. Let go of those things that are behind you, the failures, mistakes, sins, and weights, and run the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. For walking with the Lord, you'll see a perfection. So many have tried to reach that high calling in the flesh. You'll never be able to do it. It's by my spirit. And if you will purpose to give yourself over to the good, to give yourself over to prayer, to give yourself over to worship, to give yourself over into times with my spirit, you'll see, I will make you into who I've called you to be. For a little surrender goes a long way. So commit to seeing who I made you to be. Give yourself to that by giving yourself towards the spirit. And those spiritual things will bring you out of the miry clay you found yourself in. And you'll release the treasure that's been hidden in that earthen vessel, says the Lord. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I just hear this in my... So give yourself to the Lord. Give yourself to the Spirit. Give yourself to the things of the Spirit. Move in Him. Flow in Him. Sing with Him. Pray with Him. And you will see a development in you that you could never achieve with the arm of the flesh. Let the Spirit do the work. Let the artist do the molding. You just be the clay and give yourself over into his hands. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. Let's stand to our feet tonight. And let's just honor the Lord with worship before we go. Just come before his throne with thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus.